Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Tonight, or actually today, this Shabbat is called Shabbat Hazon. And it comes from the opening line of the Haftorah that was read today. Uh, we didn't read it from the opening line, but it begins with Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, which is, this is the vision of Isaiah. And the word Chazon means vision. And uh, so it has a special meaning in Judaism because Shabbat Hazon is always the Shabbat just before the ninth of Av. The ninth of Av begins tonight at sundown. And the ninth of Av is a, 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 a day which we commemorate in Jewish history as a day of great tragedy and woe. Because on it, traditionally, we understand virtually every bad thing that ever happened to the Jewish people occurred on the ninth of Av. For instance, the destruction of the first temple, the destruction of the second temple were both on the ninth of Av. The expulsion from Spain was on the ninth of Av. And numerous other things, I'm sure, have been attributed to this most uh, heinous of days. And it also begins a period from the ninth of Av onward, really, in which we begin uh, a time of meditation and contemplation, which culminates on Yom Kippur. As soon as the, after the month of Av, we will go into the month of Elul, and the whole month of Elul is uh, a time of meditation and preparation for the holy days, the high holy days of the new year. But this day also has other kinds of significance. In fact, uh, it can be illustrated that those two temples were destroyed, but with the destruction of those temples comes the hope of the rebuilding of the temple again. You know, in the book of Ezekiel, it speaks about a temple, a temple in the time of the Messiah, which will be built by the hand of the prince himself. And so there's a hope laid out for us. But the question is, how can we assist in hastening that day, of bringing that day to pass sooner rather than later? This might be illustrated by a parable written by Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berdachev. He says, it, he says this, he says, there was a father who had a precious garment sewn for his son. And the boy promptly tore it to shreds. The father then made him another, a second garment. But the child tore this one up as well. Thereafter, the father had yet another garment sewn for his son. This time, however, he did not permit the lad to wear it. He only led him to gaze upon it at appointed times, telling him that when he chose to conduct himself properly, he would be allowed to wear it. You see, on this day, our sages teach us that on Shabbat Hazon, we are given a vision too. The Jewish people are given a vision of this temple, of the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash. 
what will we how but how will we handle it this time in the vision you see the father was was determined to train his son to act in a manner that ultimately became his second nature and it would be at this point that the father would give him the garment and allow him to wear it so what have we done with our two temples that we have had? They've been destroyed, ostensibly destroyed by our enemies, yes, but not, maybe not so. Would God have allowed his house to be destroyed were it not for the fact that we, one way or another, abandoned it? This week we studied the Parsha Devarim, as Michael introduced to you. And yes, it is a repetition. It's called, sometimes referred to as Mishnah Torah, which is a repetition of the Torah. Uh, it recounts for this new generation all the laws that God gave to Moses on Sinai. It, it recounts to, to, them, to them because they weren't there, most of them. Remember that when the children of Israel were disobedient in going into the land in the first place, with the issue of the 12 spies, God said, everyone from 20 years and older will never enter the land other than Joshua and Caleb. And so all of these people now standing on the, uh, on the shores of the Jordan River where they are encamped are much younger people who never went through that covenantal time at the mountain. In fact, they had not even been circumcised on the journey. So they had a whole lot of work to do before they could enter into the land. Yes, this was going to be a new generation who would have been trained up during the journey in the laws of God. And you got to hope that maybe some of it would have rubbed off. You know, one of the saddest uh, lines of scripture in the whole Bible for me whenever I read it are those lines from the opening of De the, the book of Deuteronomy it's in the second verse of Devarim and it says it is 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea it's 11 days journey I wish I had a map I don't but maybe you have one in the back of one of your Bibles. If you look, it would have taken them 11 days to get from, from Mount Sinai right to the borders of, of uh, the southern part of Israel. And that's what happened. They moved those 11 days. From, after they left Sinai, that's where they went. All they would have had to do was cross over. Instead, they wandered for 38 years waiting for God to be ready for them. Or maybe God waiting for them to be ready to cross over to the Jordan or cross over the Jordan into the promised land. How sad a time that was. And you know, at least 10 times during the journey, there was great judgment brought upon the children of Israel in one way or another because of their bickering. Remember what Moses says, I can't, I, can't, I couldn't bear 
you're bickering all by myself. I needed help. I had to recruit the leaders of your tribes. Otherwise, you'd have, yeah, yeah, I would have had a nervous breakdown. It was all too much. They didn't learn. The older generation never learned what it would take to get into the promised land. And so they were left on the wrong side of the Jordan. Eleven days journey. You're right there. It would have taken them another three days to get to Jerusalem. That's how sad a thing it is. But will we learn? That's the question. And we have that same issue today. Why is it that Messiah Yeshua died and rose again almost 2,000 years ago? 2,000 years. Now you think in 2,000 years you can pretty much get anything you wanted to get done, done. Right? I know the scripture teaches us that, uh, you know, God is not really into time particularly. He doesn't worry about it very much. But for those of us who are getting a little older, you know, it feels like it's, time is running out. Why has it taken so long? Why? And it may take another 2,000 years for all I know. Hope not. And Michael may be right about all of the signs that we see. And Israel comes back in a day and all that kind of good stuff. But you know what? If the Jewish people remain disobedient, who is to say that they could not be expelled from the land yet again? There's no guarantee. I don't see it. The only guarantee is that they are obedient to God. So, we see that. But, so, that means that the word of God must be reinforced in our hearts day after day. This is what has got to happen. This is why we do the mitzvot. The mitzvot are there to train us up so that all of these things become second nature to us. That first generation, they could never get it. Perhaps the slave mentality had been so ingrained into them, they were so damaged that not even God's love could save them at that time. I don't know. Were they so damaged that they could not hear the word of God and be obedient to it? But that's what the mitzvot do for us. They train us if we do them. If we do the acts of kindness, if we do the right things, if we observe the Sabbath, if we do what God is telling us, eventually it becomes our nature. That's the hope. And if we will, are willing to allow that nature to overcome us, maybe, just maybe, will be worthy to wear the garment. Maybe, just maybe, will be worthy of the vision of the Beit HaMikdash. But we've discovered, if you go to our Haftorah, and you read the opening lines of the book of Isaiah, at least by Isaiah's time it hadn't happened. This was many hundreds of years later. It says... Listen, O heaven, and hear, O earth, for the, for the Lord speaks. Sons I've reared up and brought up, but they revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger, but, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. 
God is pleading with us always to understand. See, this is what we have to do to outreach to our people. That we have a special relationship with God that the, in which the world will not be resolved until the Jewish people come to know him. Brothers and sisters, listen. Every Gentile in the world could bow down before God. It will not bring the Messiah back any sooner. Because it's the key is my people Israel. They must return. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They've abandoned the Lord. They've despised the Holy One of Israel. They've turned away from him. I hate even saying these words, but they're written in the book of Isaiah. And if the story ended right there, it would truly be a time of mourning. You see, the ninth of Av is not a good, nice time in Jewish life. You know, for during this period, we don't allow marriages. You're not to, allowed to marry during this period. Because it's a time of mourning. We're serious about it. The ninth of Av is a fast day. In traditional Judaism, you fast from tonight through tomorrow night. It's a serious time when we reflect on, our tr- on the true state of affairs for us. And the true state of affairs, I wish were better. I wish it was better for our people Israel. That we were, in fact, a faithful nation. You see, we can get fil- fooled, brothers and sisters who love the Lord, who love Israel, that everything is okay. We're in the land, hallelujah. God is on our side. But it's not finished. It's not finished. I can rejoice that our people are there, that we're protected, and that we can go there freely and enjoy it and, 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 and benefit from the goodness that is there. But if we allow it to stay right, if we allow ourselves to be satisfied with that, we will delay the coming of the king. And we will not be worthy of the garment, that garment of praise. And so we have to pray. That's what I want us to do. That's why we're here. We have to pray. And we have to say the truth. We have to speak to our brothers and sisters in the flesh and say that apart from our God we are nothing we could have the greatest army and navy marines and air force in the world and it will avail you nothing if we put our pride in that we are making a big mistake but we should pride ourselves on those who are willing to bow the knee to God and we've got to tell our people that they have to know. And that has to be part of the job of the remnant of this age. And God says, listen, come now and let us reason together. 
says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they'll be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, that's why, don't get, let's not get too confident. Oh, 1948, God settled everything. No, he didn't. The UN decided on something. I'll let you know when God settles on it, because you know what? It'll be from the river of Egypt all the way up to Euphrates. That's when Israel will be settled. Those are the borders. Those are the borders. By the way, half of Jordan, all of Lebanon. Then I'll know. And I can be confident that this was the eschatological move of God. So how can we hasten the day, right? There's a portion from Second Peter. And by the way, listen, we also commemorate the ninth of Av by our Besorah reading today. I hope you were listening to it very carefully. The Besorah reading for today was the crucifixion of our Messiah, because that's what it caused to bring Israel into favor with God. That price had to be paid, and that price must be acknowledged. And until that is, we cannot hope for the deliverance of our people and the hope of the Beisamic Dash, which will come for that vision to be fulfilled. So it says in Second Peter chapter 3, he says, The Lord is not slow about his promise. I'm glad he tells me that. As some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. And since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, you see, since all of these things are going to be done away with, all the trappings of the world which we have built, oh, it's so cool. The world which we have built, is it not? Buildings which stretch into the sky. Trains that can fly and, 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 and big planes that can take us anywhere we want to go. We have all the luxury that we could ever enjoy. And all of it will be burnt away. All of it will be gone. All the things that we thought were so important. If they're going to be gone. Since all these things are going to be destroyed in this way. Peter asked the question, what sort of people ought we to be in holy conduct and in godliness? Looking for 
and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt everything away with intense heat. I always look at that verse and doesn't it, doesn't it raise a question in your mind? What, what, what sort of people might we be to hasten the day of the Lord? That means that there's something you and I can do about making it happen sooner. And conversely, there are things we can do to slow it down, it would appear. Right? That in some ways it is dependent upon us and not merely on some arbitrary day which the Lord has already set. Maybe that's why Yeshua told his disciples when they asked him when uh, things would be restored. He said, listen, I'm not telling you. I don't know, maybe, maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was saying, it's up to you. And I think that a lot of this world is up to us. A lot of this world is up to us. You know, when good things happen, when bad things happen, it wasn't like God wrote a script somewhere in heaven long time ago with all of these things written out in them and now they're happening one after the other according to his agenda. If that were true, then all we are are just robots and puppets and life just goes on without any possibility for me to affect it one way or another and I might as well just go with the flow. Do you feel like that? Does your life feel that way? If it does, I want to encourage you it's not that way. That we have everything to do with what our lives look like and what the life of this world looks like. Everything. That the things we do make a difference in the world and we ought to make every effort to make it so, to make it better. And God says to us, he says, listen, in Isaiah, he said, he tells us, if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. If we can live by the words of God's book, if it teaches us how to be a human being, how to treat our fellow man, how to create a just world. You know, a lot of what we were talking about at the conference this last week was justice. That was the title of our theme, Tzedek. And we talked a lot about what it means to be, what a just world means. And we need to build justice in our own lives, in the lives of the people around us, in the lives of our community, and the lives of our country, and the world after that. Can we, is this a world of justice? I don't think so. But can we begin to make life just, to make it good? Every little thing helps. Is this listening to a, a teaching about the mitzvot, which I thought was brilliant? 
that we take ordinary things, things that are just plain and ordinary, and we bring them into the realm of God's holiness by the doing of mitzvot. That's why we bless the bread. Or we don't bless the bread, we bless God who provides the bread. Because we make eating, which is such a mundane act, into something holy. When we do any of the mitzvot, give me lut chasadim, when we escort the dead, when we pray for people, we take that which is ordinary and make it holy and transform the world. And that, my friends, will make us worthy of the garment, will make us worthy of the vision of the Beit HaMikdash, the one which will be built by the Messiah himself, and the one in which he himself will dwell. So let's begin here. Let's do it and make this Ninth of Av a night of to celebrate as victory rather than one of mourning.